Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you on this first Sunday of Lent. It is that time for us to take a journey throughout this season, a journey with our eyes on the Lord throughout it all. We know the story. Let us keep that in mind throughout the whole time that we have this journey together. Uh, let us turn to our, our announcements this morning. There are uh, just a few I'm going to point out. Uh, the, uh, during the Lent season, we're going to be taking a Lenten offering and we're going to be looking to put all of that towards our Vacation Bible School in order to sponsor the kids that uh, we hope to have here. It does take a lot to put on uh, the uh, VBS that is uh, hosted here. It is quite a, an adventure. I experienced it last year for the first time uh, and it is something that is worth uh, our investment for sure. So I encourage you to um, uh, consult the Holy Spirit and as you are led to provide uh, as much as you feel led to for the VBS offering throughout this season uh, of Lent. The Men of Faith will be meeting tomorrow as our regularly scheduled monthly meeting. Uh, we look forward to getting back together after the, the holiday season and um, really getting together uh, as the group. Uh, so we invite all men, this is not a closed group of men that have been doing this for a while, it's an open uh, invitation for, for all the guys to come. Also I wanted to mention the, down on the annual conference in need of laity, as the annual conference you have equal representation from clergy and laity throughout the conference. And with retired clergy and whatnot, you, you have sometimes a need for additional laity from those that are already signed from the church, because we have uh, one that is our lay member to the conference. Uh, Pam Colburn is our representative. But large representation of laity is needed. So if you're interested in the business of the church at the conference level and you would be interested in being a part of that uh, for this season, let me know and we'll get the appropriate forms submitted to the district so that you can be, uh, hopefully be a part of that if that's your interest. Also, just a, a note of, uh, of need, we have the cookie sign up for our hospitality time. That's something you think you can provide. Uh, all of March is open, uh, so if you have uh, that as one of your giftings is to be able to provide that, we uh, welcome your participation uh, in that. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and formulate our, ourself into having our minds set on Christ as we receive our prelude this morning.
morning, if you would stand as you're able, please, for our call to worship. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach it to me. Because you are the God who saves us, we put our hope in you all day long. Lord, remember your compassion and faithful love. They are forever. Thank you. If you'd remain standing for our opening hymn, Lord, who throughout these 40 days, number 269 in your hymnal, we'll be singing verses 1, 3, 4, and 5. Thank you. You may be seated. Please join with me in our opening prayer printed in your bulletin. Source of hope, bring us into the presence of hope. Inspire us with the strength of faith. Shower us with the waters of mercy. Grace that our hope may be renewed as we learn to trust your promise and love. Amen. The children would come forward for the children's moment, please. Well, hello. Hi there. <laughs> Good morning. We have a few more. Good morning. How are you? So, Pastor Jeff was talking about Lent. I was. Yes. Do you guys know what Lent is? It's the 40 days 
between Ash Wednesday and Easter. So we are on day four. And there are a couple things about Lent. In this season of waiting before Easter, there are three things that we are supposed to be doing. Did you guys know this? Did you guys know this? I'm interested. You're interested? Yeah. I was too. First thing is prayer. Mm. We're supposed to increase our prayer life. We're going to be doing some more of that in children's church, in, in junior church. So we'll be talking about that today. The second thing is fasting. And I don't mean like going fast. You know what fasting is? What is it? Try not to eat as much. Exactly. Try not to eat as much or giving something up that you really like. Not like giving up your homework. That's not fasting. Things that comfort you. Yes. You can't give up like going to McDonald's. You know, that's, you, you give up something that is dear to you. You really, really like giving up chocolate, giving up a dessert, things like that. The third thing is prayer and fasting. And those things are mostly between you and God, okay? The third thing about Lent is giving. And I've decided, along with Pastor Jeff, and that other it would be a good idea... If the congregation helped give something. Look, I have an example. Every year on the day before Easter, there is a citywide Easter egg hunt. And about 1,500 kids come. And they hide about 12,000 eggs. And then there are baskets that are given away to some of the kids. If your ticket is pulled, you get a basket. Well, wouldn't it be nice if Faith Community provided some of those baskets? And here's what you could put in it. This is just an example. Definitely candy. (laughs) <laughs> because the time of fast, the time of fasting will be over at Easter. So, candy. This is my favorite toy at my house. You guys want to see it? My absolute favorite, favorite thing. <laughs> what is it? It's the quiet toy. Mm. It is. It's the quiet toy. You want to take it? Now turn it over. Watch it. Now you can't say anything until all those colors come down. <laughs> That's the quiet toy. <clears throat> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the best thing ever? And you hand them to all the children, and nobody can say anything. <laughs> it's a wonderful toy. The other thing you can put in Easter baskets, you can put in coloring books, 
and you can put crayons, and that quiet toy is still working. And then, this is important, we need to explain why we're having the Easter egg hunt. Why we're having Easter. So every basket will contain some kind of Easter story or children's Bible, something like that. It, it, it will also contain a message of love and welcome from us. And that is really important during the time of Lent that we welcome and love people who come here and we invite people. We invite people to get to know Jesus. Amen. So, Robin can't pray because she has the quiet toy. <laughs> but I will pray us out. Dear Jesus, we're so thankful that you came to save us and we're so thankful for this season of Lent. Please help us to be mindful of the three things of Lent. Prayer, giving something up for you, and adding something for you. So all of this might be to your glory. Amen. Amen. I have treats too. That's pretty cool. Thank you, and now we'll have our prayer hymn, Wash, O God, Our Sons and Daughters, number 605 in your hymnal. We'll sing verses 1 and 2.
Prayer is something that is not only during the time of Lent. I just wanted to clarify that just so that we all knew that that was something that we do on a regular basis. It is something that we can take our prayer life to another level. That we can then continue that another level throughout our next year. And continue to grow in our, our prayer life as we mature in our faith. So let us take this time of focused prayer together. O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are amazing love. You are gracious and merciful. You are creator, redeemer, sustainer. You are wisdom and truth. We could go on and on about who you are, and we should. The more we know you, the more we can proclaim who you are, the more that we can trust you. As we can see how you are all-encompassing in our lives. Oh God, we know that we fall short. And in this time of Lent, we, we are able to look into ourselves with a, an honesty that maybe we don't the rest of the year because we are not being asked to. But in this time, O oh God, help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and to truly share how we struggle. May our confessions be those that are truly opening ourselves to your grace. That you would wash over us you would not only convict us, but comfort us and show us a new way. For that, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful in all that you do in our lives, that you are truly transforming us. That you take our hearts and you shape them more and more like your son, Jesus. So, Lord, may we take this time of gratitude and just share from within our hearts all the things that we know you've already accomplished, all the things that you have accomplished in us. And even, Lord, we can be grateful for all the things that we see in those around us. We can see your work, O oh God, and we are grateful. And, Lord, we know that there are those that are amongst us today that are here with us or online that have something in their lives that they are struggling with right now. That they need comfort and healing. Could be any number of things, oh God, but we present this to you knowing that you know our hearts, you know our thoughts and our minds. And we trust you are hearing and listening to us. So Lord, change us, mold us, throughout this time, uh, not only today, but throughout our journeys, and that we would truly be more and more like you. And that we would be a light and recognizable as those who are changed by the life of Christ in ours. So let us now share with one voice the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And friends, we know that our God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer is our provider. All things come from God. And it is us that recognize who we are in Christ, that we are able to give back a portion of what we have been given. Ushers, would you please wait upon us? Please join together in the prayer of dedication. Trustworthy and trusting God, thank you for entrusting us with this good earth. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. Help us live up to your trust, even as we learn to place our trust in you. Bless the gifts that we share, that they may honor the generosity you have shown us. In trust and gratitude, we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. God said to Noah and his sons with him, I am now setting up my covenant with you, with your descendants, and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals, and with all the animals of the earth leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the symbol of the covenant that I am drawing up between me and you and every living being with you on behalf of every future generation. I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be the symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember the covenant between you and me and every living being among all the creatures. Floodwaters will never again destroy all creatures. The bow will be in the clouds, and upon seeing it, I will remember the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all the earth's creatures. God said to Noah, This is the symbol of the covenant that I have set up between me and all creatures of the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before I begin, I just want to mention that uh, throughout Lent, there will be a 
sermon series that kind of builds on one another as it goes. I haven't really given it a title, but if I was forced to give one, maybe I would just call it uh, The Road to Salvation or something along those lines. Um, So let us uh, begin with our first of Lent today. So did you notice in that reading there today about uh, that started with Noah after the devastating saga that Noah went through? This reading comes directly from the lectionary, which provides selections for each week following the Christian calendar. And most of the time I use this tool to decide what passages I, I preach each week. Now, this week it tells the story of God making a covenant with Noah and all the future generations. But it doesn't tell us anything about what led up to the covenant. I look back at the previous weeks in the the lectionary and, well, the rest of Noah's story isn't in the selections. I don't think we like to hear his full story. Now, sure, we like to tell the children's version of him and his family along with the pairs of animals avoiding the flood on the ark. But we seem to skip over the chaos that led to the flood that occurred after Adam and Eve fled from God in the Garden of Eden. Now, if we're reading the scriptures, time flies. I mean, it really flies in the first few chapters of the Bible. Generation after generation came and went, and the reality of human tendencies was on full display. In a matter of paragraphs, we go from taking a bite of forbidden fruit in God's garden to one brother killing another outside the bounds of Eden, and the violence continued. We can't afford to overlook what brought God to Noah calling for him to build the ark on a promise that God would set up a covenant with him after the flood. You see, Noah's story is about the real human struggle that we all live through of choosing a life of chaos or a life of covenant. So today we will look at what it takes to transition from chaos to covenant. So after Eden and after Cain takes Abel's life, the scriptures provide a list of Adam's descendants that finish with Noah. This is all in Genesis chapter 5. Of the thousands of years, I mean thousands of years of kind of where people, it says, lived 800, 900 years, only once was it mentioned that someone had a relationship with God. His name was Enoch. And was Noah's great-great-grandfather. So many lived without God in their lives because, well, they could. We all have free will. And with that free will, God never lost track of what was going on in his creation. In Genesis chapter 6, we find out what God thought about it. The Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on the earth and that every idea their minds thought up was always completely evil. The Lord regretted making human beings on earth and he was heartbroken. 
In God's sight, the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God saw that the earth was corrupt because all creatures behaved corruptly on the earth. Now hearing these words is convicting, isn't it? We can't deny what God saw then because, well, we we see it now. We see it everywhere we look and we can even see it in ourselves. We don't like to admit it, but how often do we want to, well, separate ourselves from God, you know, to live on the edge a little. Free will allows us to live and love authentically. But it also tempts us to feed our desires. Without God, humanity knows no other will but their own, and every individual leads their own way. And while this creates chaos, Unfortunately, it is chaos that we are drawn to. We can't ignore this fact. To transition from the chaos, we need to confess our attraction to a chaotic life without God. That's where we begin. God saw our condition and knew He couldn't abandon His creation. However, it would require a recreation of sorts. And a commitment from God to protect and sustain life, even though we are sinners, giving us the opportunity to find new life in Him. Here's what one theologian says about the flood. The flood is a reversal of the creation story. As the flood narrative unfolds, clouds hide the light of the sun, reversing days one and four. Plant and animal life is destroyed, reversing days five and six. The dry ground disappears, reversing day three. And as the rain descends and seas rise, the distinction between the waters above and the waters beneath is effaced, reversing day two. At the height of the flood, the earth is once again a formless void. From here, creation begins afresh. You see, the flood brought about a new beginning. But God didn't create a new humanity. The same potential of chaos that existed before the flood exists after the flood. But the difference is God's promise to provide a way out of the chaos. Truth be told, the means for an abundant life, despite the potential for chaos, was always available from the beginning of creation. Noah figured that out. He didn't allow the chaos to take him off course. You see, after God revealed what he saw happening on earth, the scripture tells us this. It says, but as for Noah, the Lord approved of him. In his generation, Noah was a moral and exemplary man. He walked with God. Note it says, in his generation. Well, what generation was that? Well, it was the one where the Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil. Noah wasn't blind to the world he lived in. He wasn't oblivious. He he was conscious of the ways of the world, but he was also conscious of his creator. And he chose to walk with the Lord. What about us? We know how people are in the world. We also confess we are created by our Creator. But is our Creator also the one who we choose to walk with throughout life? 
Do we consider God to be trustworthy? What is our conclusion? To continue our journey away from chaos, we must conclude that life with God is the way of an abundant life. This is a conclusion, a a conscious decision that we make. One that we make every single day. Will we walk alone or, or will we walk with the Lord? Noah walked with God. You may be asking yourself, what does walking with God involve? And the quick answer is two things, availability and obedience. Let's see if that applies to Noah. His story goes like this. God said to Noah, the end has come for all creatures since they have filled the earth with violence. I am now about to destroy them along with the earth. So make a wooden ark, make the ark with the nesting places and cover it inside and out with tar. I am now bringing the floodwaters over the earth to destroy everything under the sky that breathes. Everything on earth is about to take its last breath. But I will set up my covenant with you. You will go into the ark together with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. From all living things, from all creatures, you are to bring a pair, male and female, into the ark with you to keep them alive. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. First thing I want to note is that Noah's story is about God's response to humanity's response to free will. God wasn't surprised by our response. The scripture said our creator was heartbroken. In a response of loving grace, our Lord set out to preserve life that was created knowing that not all will choose to walk with their Creator. To reestablish life on earth, God chose Noah, the one who did walk with his Lord, available and obedient. His availability was clear. The idea of walking with God means that we are available to God as just as much as God is available to us. With Noah, God didn't have to use a a burning bush to get his attention. The Lord just started talking to Noah. Noah didn't flinch, wonder what was happening, question who was talking to him. He was available to the one he was walking with. We don't know how God spoke to Noah. It could have been any number of ways, in a dream, in a vision as he was praying, or some other way. It really doesn't matter. Noah had come to know God's voice. We can know God's voice too. If we are seeking it, the Lord will find a way to communicate with us. There is no one way that the Lord speaks. When we intentionally walk with the Lord... And we open ourselves, that, that is, we make ourselves available to hear what the God desires for us and of us. See, in addition to being available to hearing God's voice, Noah responded and did what was asked of him. So he was obedient. What he was asked to do, it didn't make any sense in that moment. But he trusted the one he walked with on a daily basis. 
God is trustworthy. The more we walk with the Lord, the better we understand that God's ways are worth obeying. Even when it is hard to comprehend or it makes us uncomfortable. To walk with God in the midst of chaos on the way to covenant, we have to commit to being available and obedient to God. What, what can we do to assure we are walking with our Lord may be a good question for us during Lent. Because Lent is a perfect time of the year to explore, well, what keeps us from a daily walk with Jesus? And then commit to specific things that increase our availability to hearing from our Lord. So let's together, let's invite the Holy Spirit to open our senses to all the ways that God might communicate with us and motivate us to act on what we hear. So Noah heard the Lord and committed to following God's commands that led him through the waters of chaos. After the flood receded and the ark came to rest, God fulfilled the promise that was made before the flood. The scripture says, God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I am now setting up my covenant with you, with your descendants and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals and with all the animals of the earth leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. Well, we finally made it to today's scripture. Aren't you happy about that? We made it through the chaos to the covenant. Now, throughout scripture, there are multiple covenants that are mentioned. The usual format of a covenant is a, a list of stipulations agreed upon by two parties with some do's and, and some don'ts and an explanation of the benefits of keeping the covenant and the consequences of breaking it. This covenant is a little bit different. Even though God set it up with Noah on behalf of all breathing creatures for all time, the Lord doesn't require anything from the living beings. This is much of a one-way covenant that God made with all creation. In this covenant, God promised to sustain life and never again reverse the creation story. God promised not to reboot creation again, but to save it. This covenant was the beginning of salvation history. What I mean by that is from the time of this covenant with Noah, God has been proactive in drawing us to Him and providing a means of reconciling us to be people who walk with God. This is Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden before the fall. This covenant was only the beginning of salvation history, which continued through Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus. And continues until Jesus returns. To receive Jesus as our Savior, we must first stand with Noah. Do we trust that life as we know it has been made possible because of the Lord's covenant to sustain life? Do we trust that God has fulfilled the promise made and continues to pursue us, to save us? 
from the chaos. If so, we must accept that God's covenant is trustworthy. God has made covenant with us. Nothing we can do will change it. However, if we live embracing what God has done, it can change everything for us. Now often, ancient covenants included some kind of symbol that was created like a standing stone. You may hear that when you're reading the Bibles. An altar, a, a pile of rocks, or, or something else that was visible, which both parties of the covenant would see from time to time to remind them of their agreement. Now, even though this covenant made after the flood only required God's commitment, a sign was provided anyway. God said, this is a symbol of the covenant that I am drawing up between me and you and every living thing with you. On behalf of every future generation, I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be the symbol of the covenant between you and me and the earth. The bow will be in the clouds, and upon seeing it, I will remember the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all the earth's creatures. Can we, we didn't need to be reminded of the covenant by the sign because it required nothing of us. And if we think about it, God didn't need reminded either because, well, God knows everything. So why a sign? Could it be that the bow and the clouds provided by our Creator is there to assure us that God never intends to break that covenant? It is a sign that further supports that even in the storms of life, God is trustworthy and His promises are believable. Remember, God is the one who is writing salvation history. Do we trust in the Lord? So what about the symbolism of the bow? Well, what might the Lord, the covenant maker, be saying to us, the covenant recipient? Well, there is a study called the Epic of Eden by Dr. Sandra Richter, which is a study of the Old Testament that I would like to offer sometime to you because it takes the mystery out of the Old Testament. Dr. Richter taught this part of this presentation of an inverted archer's bow from one to another was a sign of peace. So if you think about an archer's bow, how it's bowed this way, and then it's turned around, it is no longer threatening. With God in the heavens, the rainbow in the cloud is presented as an inverted archer's bow to us as a promise of peace. In addition, the bow can represent God holding back the, the waters of chaos that were separated in the creation story, but then they were released to cause the flood of destruction. Now that it's hold, held back, life and peace with God is possible now and forever. Revelation 21.1 reveals, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Notice that the sea is gone. When Jesus returns, the waters of chaos will no longer need to be held back. And our peace with God will be forever. 
with this sign, or what the sign of the bow tells me, is that when we fully make this transition from chaos to covenant, we will celebrate God's enduring protection and promise of everlasting life. Friends, God is trustworthy. Without God, there would only be chaos. But with God, we are promised a life with provision and hope for the future. We have a choice to live a life of chaos or a life of covenant. God will keep covenant with us. The question is, will we covenant with God? Will we be able to confess our attraction to a chaotic life without God? Are we able to conclude that life with God is the way of abundant life? Can we commit to being available and obedient? If so, we will accept that God's covenant is trustworthy and celebrate God's enduring protection and promise of eternal life. Friends, next week we will continue our Lenten journey that will move from covenant to relationship. Because walking with God is so much more than just an agreement between two parties. And we want to explore the more. Amen. Please rise as we sing together, O love that will not let me go. It's number 480 in your hymnal.
Friends, God is trustworthy and we have been given a covenant. One that is to sustain our lives. And we know that in that promise we have gained so much more that we know salvation is true. So go in peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.